All right, well, let's go to the Lord and lift these things to Him as we uh, pour out our hearts to Him. Father, what a, what a joy it is to know that uh, we come before the great I Am, our Creator and Sustainer and, and One who is in control of, of everything uh, in this world. And Lord, you, Lord, help us to, to look to you. Help, help me, Lord, to, to rest in the finished work of Christ, that I would not fret and worry and, and uh, be concerned about things that are out of my control. And, but I would just place them in your hands and leave them there. Lord, it's so easy to take up the things that we give to you. And, and so, Lord, just give us all grace to do that. And, uh, we, we pray, Father, though, for uh, our relationships, our family relationships, even in this, this body because we're a family and uh, a spiritual family. And so, Lord, as we look into your word this, this morning, I pray that you would bless us, help us to be more like Christ as we look at his life. And, Father, I, I pray for these uh, requests that have been uh, mentioned for Ben's work that he has to do and to catch up and just give him strength and, and for baby Margot as well, for Becky and Stuart as they look forward to that. And, and uh, I pray for Caroline as well, that just uh, that she's got a lot of uh, uh, work yet in, in her um, uh, place, uh, in her condo. And I, I pray, God, that you would uh, raise up helpers and, and that this work would, uh, would be able to be finished soon. Also, uh, I thank you. Uh, uh, for Lad and, and as he starts this new job that you'll give him wisdom and for, for Pamela as well uh, she again suffers from uh, allergic reaction uh, and so we, we pray for her pray for my brother as he uh, is dealing with all of this uh, uh, div division of the uh, property and what have you and myself as, as we uh, discuss these things so that you'd be in the midst of it uh, keep us, Lord, uh, focused in all that. For, for Joshua as well, uh, as he is going to be taking the Arkansas bar, that you would uh, give him clarity of thought as he takes that. And Lord, and for those that have teenage sons, I pray for Evan and for Wilson as well, that you would um, uh, help the, the uh, parents just to, to raise these new teenagers to, to love you and to, uh, uh, to grow up and, 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 and to know you and serve you. Also for Andrew and David as, as they have much work and that they'll be able to finish these jobs and for Gail's move uh, October the 31st and, and all that that would, would uh, go well and Philip as well as he, is, he needs a, a, a new job and so, Lord, we bring all these requests to you, and we know, Lord, that you love us, that you're going to supply our needs uh, according to your riches and glory, and uh, we rest, we rest, Lord, and we place these things uh, knowing that you will answer them, and that we lift our nation to you, God. Have mercy upon our country and our leaders as, as uh, the process goes on in, in electing a uh, these new servants of yours. In Jesus' name, amen.
Okay, we are looking in, in Mark chapter 3. If you have your swords, open uh, to Mark chapter 3. We are looking at the, the life of, of Christ and, uh, and all that he went through during his time here on, on earth. <clears throat> I want to talk about Jesus and family relationships. Uh, uh, Jesus had a family that gave him problems. Uh, do we have families that at times have given us problems? And Oh, really? Is that? Yes, yes we have. And uh, some greater than, than others. But uh, we see Jesus' family is creating problems for him. Uh, they're creating problems for him. He is not the problem, okay? And uh, he was sinless. He did, he did everything perfectly. So they had the problem, uh, not, uh, not our Lord. And so never forget that. We find where this started in, uh, in, in Luke chapter 2, when he was 12 years old. You remember how he got separated from uh, his parents, and three days later they find him. Uh, and he said to them, Why is it that you were looking for me? Did you not know that I had to be in my father's house? And the better translation is uh, doing the father's uh, business. Okay? Uh, I, I like that much better. But the, he is in his father's house. And uh, they did not understand that this was no ordinary child. <laughs> he was a special child. And he was to be about his father's business. Now, are we God's special children? Yes, we are. And we're to be about our father's business. So I, I want this to, uh, for you to think about this as well because this applies to us. There is an application for us as we uh, look at this. They were questioning his sanity. Uh, they thought this uh, brother of ours, this uh, son of mine has gone too far. He's become a fanatic. Maybe you've been accused of being a fanatic uh, at times. Uh, I guess we all have in one, one way or another. But he was... He was, uh, he was fanatical, but he was right in what he was doing. He did no wrong. And uh, let's read now verses uh, in Mark chapter 3, verses 20 and 21, and then skipping over to verse 31, because we're going to touch on the unpardonable sin, Lord willing, next week. But uh, verses 20 and 21, he says, And he came home, and the crowd gathered uh, again to such an extent that they could not even eat a meal. When his own people heard of this, they went out to take custody of him, for they were saying, he has lost his senses. Now in verse 31, Then his mother and his brothers arrived, and standing outside, they sent word to him and called him. And a crowd was sitting around him, and they said to him, Behold, your mother and your brothers are outside looking for you. Answering them, he said, Who are my mother and brothers? 
looking about, looking about at those who were sitting around him, he said, Behold, my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of God, he is my brother, sister, and mother. Uh, profound words here. And I think we can apply these to, to our lives as well. Verses 20 and 21 teach, When we serve the Lord as we ought to, uh, at times our family and friends may think we have become fanatical. That's going to happen, and probably has happened to you in your life. Uh, how many have experienced that? Yeah. Yeah, a good number have experienced that. And uh, uh, the story here, I think, is very simple. He comes home to Capernaum, probably, and enters a house. Uh, a crowd gathers and uh, to the point that he couldn't eat. That is, uh, he didn't have time to because of the crowd was so oppressive. And, and, and uh, he was doing so many wonderful things, he didn't even have time to eat. We see Christ again, uh, self-denial, self-sacrifice. It was all about others to the point where uh, uh, his family said that he wasn't uh, eating properly. And so he's ministering to people. And again, we can, we can learn from that. Uh, how does his family react? It says that uh, they went out, probably from Nazareth, some 30 miles away. They, they were not there in Capernaum. They probably came from Nazareth and uh, uh, to seize him. In the Greek here, uh, this is a very strong word. It means to take forcibly if necessary. In other words, they, they just figured Jesus had lost it. He had lost it. And uh, that reminds me of, of when I was at uh, Bob Jones and I came home. Uh, I was a fanatic. I mean, <laughs> uh, and, and I'm sure that particularly my brother, who wasn't even a Christian, said he's lost it. I mean, he is, he is uh, he's a fanatic. But, uh, and I was because I had learned so many wonderful truths that were changing my life. We see that here also that Jesus really had a family, had a, had a real family. Of course, uh, Mary, his mother, uh, did not remain a virgin, as some would teach. Uh, Jesus had brothers and sisters. And I think the, the scriptures uh, teach this. I think it's pretty plain. It says, and she gave birth to her, notice, firstborn son. Not only, but firstborn son. And she wrapped him in, in cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. Also in Matthew 125, uh, it, it talks about uh, Joseph kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. Notice she was kept a virgin until she gave birth. So there was no sexual relations uh, uh, when Jesus was still in the womb. But uh, after that, he had uh, brothers and sisters. If not, uh, Joseph was uh, a superman or something. But uh, no, he, he was man. And uh, she was a woman, yeah, greatly blessed of God, but she did have relations with uh, Joseph after that, uh, as, uh, as the scriptures, I think, teach. 
Uh, but they thought Jesus was out of his mind, that he had lost his senses. He was becoming fanatical. Uh, and uh, he was not acting rationally, that he was unbalanced, a fanatic. And uh, why did they think this? Well, for one thing, as we have seen here, and it's, he was missing meals, and uh, they really loved him. They cared about him. They wanted the best for him, as all families do uh, about uh, their uh, brothers or their, their children. Uh, but uh, also, he was opposing the religious leaders of the day. Remember, we, we saw that, and not only was he opposing them, they were plotting to kill him. And so probably the family got word of this, that he was becoming such a fanatic that he was drawing such large crowds and he was healing people and doing all these marvelous things. They said, you know what, you better better cool your jets here because something bad is fixing to happen to you. So they were were concerned, uh, uh, rightly so. Uh, Also, remember from last week, he had had, uh, collected a real strange group of people with him to be his followers. He, he had a zealot, a tax collector, fisherman, and so uh, I'm sure that went through their mind uh, as well, that he wasn't playing it safe. He was throwing his life away, uh, and they wanted to take him out of the public eye. So this is what was going on, I believe. Um, and you might say, uh, how could they or why would they do this? Remember, at this time, they did not understand who Jesus was. Uh, in John chapter five and, or chapter seven and verse five, for not even his brothers were believing in him. You see, so uh, not knowing what he had to do, his death on the cross and, and what have you, they were just trying to protect him, and uh, which is not a bad thing, but. Uh, they were ignorant. They did not understand what was, uh, what was going on here. Now, are there implica- applications for us? I think there are. Uh, have family and friends thought at times that you've gone too far with Christ? And yes, they have probably. They did with me. Uh, have you been misunderstood by your family who loves you. I think at times that's true. You know, the world, the world says uh, it's okay to go too far over work, to be a workaholic. Work 70 hours and you get the praise of men. Whoa, isn't he a hard worker? They don't say he's a fanatic and it needs to calm down. Now, you, you have some that might say that, but, but uh, uh, some would say uh, it's okay if you want to just spend all this time to make lots and lots of money. You're not con- considered a fanatic. And, of course, where do we see this most of all today, particularly in this country? Where do you become a fanatic in, in an area? Sports, yeah, somebody said it's sports, don't they? Uh, boy, football, whoo, you know, the, uh, they, they live for the season. They live, they're fanatical about football, but it's okay. 
It's okay if you have your Alabama rug that you put down in front of the TV set. It's okay. It's not okay, you see. It's wrong. But sporting events, uh, all sorts of uh, sporting events. But you're called a fan. It's just short for a fanatic, you see. Though <laughs> the devil's good about getting us to, to think in, in different terms. It's just short for fanatic. What about rock concerts? I mean, I have seen people go berserko over rock stars. They worship them. They become fanatical. They will literally stay there all night in line to buy tickets to hear that garbage. Now, that's a fanatic, right? I didn't, you know, I didn't see anybody lining up here at the door this morning <laughs> waiting for church to begin. I think that could happen in this country again, though, as things get worse and worse and worse. I think you're going to see the churches filling up again. It will take persecution. It will, it will take tribulation uh, for this to take place. Uh, but, boy, you get excited about Jesus. Whew, you get excited about Jesus and what? You're fanatic. You're crazy to get excited. Uh, and especially in the Episcopal Church, Presbyterian Church, you better not raise your hand. Oh, praise the Lord. Whoa, fanatic. And yet you can go to a football game and people are jumping up and down and screaming and yelling. and That's okay, though. But don't get excited about Jesus because you're a fanatic. Interesting, isn't it, how Satan, how Satan works to get us thinking things that just aren't true at all. We get things turned around and backwards. And it's sad. Don't say amen in, a, in an Episcopal service or a Presbyterian service. Everybody will turn around and look at you like you're crazy. <laughs> but I love amens. If you want to say amen now, if you say amen after everything I say, you're probably drawing attention to yourself. But if, occasionally when I say something and somebody says amen, I'll go, Amen, it was worth saying, or, you know, it, it encourages me. And so, thank you, brother. <laughs> I heard that. Uh, you know, it's interesting. Let somebody go up in the space shuttle, and I'm not saying there was anything wrong with that, because it was fine. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have gone if they had given me free tickets and, and uh, given me a million dollars. That's just not my thing. But that person went up and, and, uh, and, and, and died, and they were given lots of honor. Let someone die on the mission field, and some would say it was a waste of their life. Think about it. I've heard Christians say that about people who died on the, where the, the natives killed them as soon as they got off. What a waste of life. What a waste of life. Why do they ever do that, you see? Did you know that Paul was considered crazy? While Paul was saying this in his defense, Festus said in a loud voice, Paul, you're out of your mind. Your great learning is driving you mad. Interesting, huh? Even Paul was considered crazy. You know what? It's all right if you want to call me crazy about, over Jesus. Uh, I'm mad about Jesus. 
And that's okay. That's a good thing. You know, it's really, uh, I remember going on a fishing trip. And there was this guy that went with us, my cousin and I, and he was about this tall and about this wide. And uh, my cousin was asleep. We were fishing all night on the rodeo, and we had our lines out. We were catching bonita and a few king mackerel and that kind of thing. And, and all of a sudden I said to this guy, you know what? In God's creation, incredible. And he looks at me. Now, now you're starting to sound like my grandmother. I said, well, you know, the, we, we will one day stand before God. And, and so I started telling him about Christ. And uh, about that time, my, my cousin gets, gets, uh, wakes up and stands up and comes to the back of the boat. And this guy says, Sid has gone weird on us. He's gone weird on us. And he said, he's crazy like my grandmother. And he says, if you hadn't gotten up, I was about ready to, to stick a knife to his throat and throw him overboard. And I went, oh, praise God, he woke up my guts. Now, I don't think he would have done that, but what, what he was letting me know is that I was crazy. See, I was, I was weird because I wanted to talk about God. And he didn't want to hear it. Why? Because he was, he was living in sin, and I knew that. He was living with this girl who, who he was not married to. And so he didn't want to hear it because he had heard it from his grandmother. And, and uh, think about it. You did you know that Dwight L. Moody, a great evangelist, was called Crazy Moody? Crazy Moody. My dad, uh, being a medical doctor, and of course, they were taught evolution and all in, in the uh, medical school. And so when dad came to the understanding about creation in six literal days and all, he'd try to talk to his doctor friends, and they would say, Sid, you're crazy. You're nuts. You're weird. You see, that is going to, to happen uh, if we stand up for, for Christ. So, how should you respond to a family who thinks you're nuts? How should you respond to family members who say, who tell you, you know, you've just gone too far with Jesus. This Jesus thing is God. I just don't want to hear about it. What do you do? <laughs> My first point, love them. And have compassion. Why? 1 Corinthians 2.14, Paul says, But a natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. And he cannot understand them because they are spiritually appraised or discerned. What is Paul saying? They're blind. They can't see. You're telling them something that has no meaning to them whatsoever. And so love them. Pray for them. Have pity on them. Pity them and pray. Uh, secondly, that their hearts would be changed and they would become fanatical too. We, ne- we need more fanatical Christians. Has anybody ever called you a fanatic Christian? Something to ask yourself. Don't you talk about anything but Jesus? Well, there's nothing else to talk about as far as I'm concerned. Now, don't misunderstand me. I do talk about football, and, and it's, that's okay. But it shouldn't be number one in your life. Jesus should be number one in your life. And I think this is what our Lord is saying here. 
And so we need to keep on serving the Lord and, and don't get discouraged about what other people think. But, but remembering, let us not lose heart. And it's easy to lose heart, isn't it? In doing, don't lose heart in doing good. Telling, telling others about Jesus is doing good. For in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. You know, a lot of Christians want a comfortable religion that does not infringe uh, on their agenda. You know, Jesus is okay. I just don't want it to hurt my relationship with, uh, with other people. Uh, you know, yeah, I'll come to church, but, you know, don't, don't ask me to take meals on wheels to, to the shut-ins or, uh, or pray with my wife or, you know... Just, just you know, I've got my ticket. I'm comfortable where I am. Thank you, but leave me alone. Now, is that our Christianity? I hope not. Because if it is, you need to repent. I need to repent. And we need to start praying with our wives and, and standing up and being men. I'm sorry I've gone to meddling. But it's that important. It's that important that we uh, live the Christian life. The next part is verses 31 through 35. <clears throat> Jesus also taught, I believe, that there's a spiritual family relationship that has priority over physical family relationships. You see, we're all family here. But that's a, not a physical relationship. It's a spiritual relationship. Yeah. But you really are my brothers and sisters. I, ha, I greeted uh, one lady this morning and said, she says, hey, brother. And I said, hey, sister, how you doing? You see, that's how we need to greet one another. You say, as brothers and sisters. It's, it's, uh, it's important that we do that. Real Christianity makes you a better wife, a better husband, son, or daughter. Real Christianity strengthens families. It doesn't divide families like cults do. Christianity says, obey, honor your father and mother. And that's what Jesus did. Uh, even Jesus on the cross told the apostle John to look after his mother, to care for her because she was important to him. You know, all kinds of influences uh, today are pulling families apart, and it's sad. I'm talking about the physical family. Well, even in churches, the spiritual, there are all sorts of attacks uh, that are coming against us in the church, and uh, we need to be aware of that. And so we see here that Jesus taught that a person, person's relationship with God is more important than his family uh, physical relationship. In verse 31, the uh, mother and the brothers of Jesus finally get there and uh, they can't get to him because of the crowd, the crowd that was pressing upon him. So the tell a person who tells a person who tells a person and it gets, the message gets to Jesus. And then in verse 32, what message reaches him? Uh, in verse 
32, a crowd was sitting around him, and they said to him, Behold, your mother and your brothers are outside looking for you. And, of course, Jesus knows exactly why they're there. I believe. He knew what they were coming for. And so he gives them a gentle rebuke. Notice verse 33. Answering them, he said, Who are my mother and my brothers? He was getting them to think. It's more than just the physical brothers and sisters that are outside looking for me. It's these people It's these people in front of me. They're my mother, brothers, and sisters. Uh, We need to to remember that uh, and realize that sometimes family members can can try to turn us away from our Christian commitment. But the Lord is always to come before us our physical families. The Lord must come first in our lives. Don't make an idol of your family. Don't put them first. Put Jesus first in your life. In Matthew 10, 35 through 39, it says, For I came to set, this is Jesus speaking, I came to set a man against his father and a daughter against his mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law and a man's enemies will be the members of his household. Jesus said that that would be the case. He who loves father or mother, what? More than me. In other words, if you're putting them first, is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. And we're going to see that again in Mark 8. He who has found his life will lose it. And he who has lost his life for my sake will find it. Pretty strong words coming from our Lord here. Uh, Love for God must be first in your life. Serving him, doing his will. And uh, uh, when a family member tries to turn you away from doing God's will, what are we to do? Obey God first. Obey God and not what they would want us to do. If a husband tells his wife, for instance, uh, I don't want you praying anymore. I don't want you going uh, to church anymore. I don't want you reading your Bible anymore. What is the wife supposed to do? Obey God before man, you see. She can disobey when it's directly against what God uh, wants her to do. What about if parents try to keep their children from full-time Christian work, going to the mission field or what have you? Jesus taught there is a spiritual family related to him in verse 34. Verse 34, he says, Looking about at those who were sitting around him, he said, Behold my mother and my brothers. And Matthew says he, he was pointing, saying this. He pointed at them. What is the, one of the evidences of being a Christian? Verse 35. For whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother. Amen. You want to do God's will. That is obeying Christ and what he tells you to do. 
whether everybody else tells you not to do it, you obey God's word. And that means uh, a whole lot. means a whole lot. Denying self, taking up the cross, and following me. How do we become family members of God? How do we become family members of God? Uh, and it's not by human birth, but it's by being born again by the spirit and power of God. That's how we become brothers and sisters in Christ is when we have been born again, we're, we're born into the family of God. We're all sisters and brothers, spiritually speaking. And this is what Jesus was pointing out. These are my, those who are following me, those who are doing my, God's will, my will, they're my sisters and uh, brothers. Because you see, by nature, we're all sinful. And uh, because we're all sinful, we fall short of the glory of God. And this is an answer to how we become family members of God. You can't get to heaven by trying harder. You can't get to heaven by doing your best. You must be born again. Jesus is very clear about this. Uh, Read the Ten Commandments again and see if you fall short of keeping those commandments. And I believe you'll say you do. What did it take then? What did it take then for us to make it into heaven? Because remember, to make it into heaven, you have to be what? Perfect. You have to be perfect in order to make it into heaven. And this morning, Ken Ham in Sunday school, he was talking about Adam's fall. And uh, because of Adam's fall, we're all condemned. We're all under the wrath of God. But the second Adam, Christ, came and he died in our place. For it's through one man's disobedience, who is that? Adam. The many were made sinners. Even so, through the obedience of the one, the many will be made righteous. So how are you made righteous? You're made righteous by Christ taking your sin and you receiving his righteousness. And how do you do that? It's by faith, by trusting, by depending on him totally. You see, he gets my sin, all my sin, and I get all of his righteousness. What kind of life did he live? Perfect life. He was the perfect sacrifice, and now I have his perfect record by faith. Because that's the only way you make it into heaven is by being perfect. Think about it. Do you have his record this morning? Are you trusting him uh, as your uh, Lord and as your uh, Savior? This is what's called the great exchange. I exchange my sinfulness for his righteousness. That's a pretty good deal, by the way. If you haven't done that, you need to take advantage of that. Ask him, ask him to, to save you. Ask him to come into your life, and he'll change it. He changed old me. And, and uh, uh, just talk to my brother. If you want to know what the old Sid Phillips was like, he'll, he'll be glad to spend about three hours telling you. Are you a child of God? Have you been adopted into his family? You're a child of the king. He loves you unconditionally. And this is the positive uh, aspect of, of, of being a Christian. And just remember as we close, 
Psalm 27, 1 says, The Lord is my light. <clears throat> Actually, that should be 10. Uh, turn to Psalm 27. <clears throat> Psalm 27 and verse 10. This is a good one to circle, underline, uh, write on your forehead. (laughs) But uh, remember, Psalm 27 and verse 10. Not that that isn't a good one, but uh, 27 and verse 10 it says, For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me up. Isn't that a beautiful thing? You know, your family may for, your your physical family may forsake you. They may not won't have anything to do with you because of your stand with Christ. But he says the Lord will take you up. Not only that, but he will bring you into another family. A spiritual family. This is a spiritual family, brothers and sisters. And we have one another. We're to love each other unconditionally, like he loves us unconditionally. And that means, like he, we should be doing things for each other and, and helping one another as we can, as God enables us, because we're a family. And that's just God's uh, goodness towards us. But if you're putting your child first, if you're putting your husband first, uh, or your wife first, it's idolatry. It's idolatry. We're to put Christ first. He is to be first in our lives. And then you will find if you put him first in your life, you will love other people unconditionally. But he has to be first. I remember uh, one time We had a big family reunion. This was the Houston side of the family, my mother's side of the family. And I'll close with this. And, uh, I mean, it was like 60 people there because she had six older brothers, and they all had lots of kids. And so everybody had come down to the farm for this big gathering. And so right in the midst of it, my mother says, Sid, I want you to, to give them the gospel. You want what? She says, I want you to, to preach to them. I want you to tell them about Jesus. I said, my, my, what, what are they going to think? And she says, I don't care what they think. I want them to hear the gospel. Oh, man, I mean, I was flushed all over. And, and uh, this has been a, a many years ago. I don't know, 20 years ago or so, 25 years ago. And I thought, I can't do this. I can't do this. But I did. I got up in front of them. And you know what? Afterwards, I had several of them whose lives were changed. Some of them said, you're weird. You are really strange. What in, where are you coming from with all of this Christianity, born again uh, stuff? But I had some of them whose lives were really changed through preaching and teaching who Christ is and what he will do for you if you commit yourself to him. And that uh, we, as, as his children, uh, have a wonderful Savior. We have uh, uh, the great I Am as our Father. And we're his children. Are we loving one another unconditionally as his children? Let's pray. 
Father, uh, I thank you that, that your word is truth. And I thank you, Father, for Jesus who came and paid it all, who took my sin and now I get his, his perfect record by faith, by trust. And now, Lord, uh, through the power of your Holy Spirit who lives within me, I can love others uh, as you uh, love them. So, Lord, I pray that uh, we would all uh, just ponder this passage of Scripture and that uh, as, as we have family members, and this is our family, uh, Lord, that we would be uh, uh, the type of, 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 of children that would uh, point them to Christ. God, give us grace to do this. May they see Christ in us. In his name, amen.